Hello, this is Matt Brown, the worship pastor here at Glen Ellen Bible Church. You're listening to the Next Level Podcast. Today, we're going to answer listener questions from Sunday, June 26, 2022. Hi, I'm Simone Halpin. I'm John Vanderveld. And I'm Kelly Brady, service senior pastor here at Glen Ellen Bible Church. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Next Level. Given the sexual nature of the subject matter and the answers to the questions submitted this week, we recommend parents exercise wisdom on whether younger kids should be included as listeners. We are careful not to be unnecessarily provocative, but admit that the questions and their answers are a little more graphic than the PG-13 content of the sermon. We are praying that this podcast is helpful. Good morning, everybody. Nice disclaimer, Hello. Matt. That was you. You, you yeah. wrote it. I read it. <laughs> um, yeah, we. There's some questions that came in, and um, they, honestly, they're great questions. I'm mm-hmm. really. I saw these questions. Kelly yeah. texted them to us last night, yeah. and I was just thankful that people feel open enough at this church to raise these questions. Yeah. But th- it's going to be very difficult to talk about these questions without like we said in the disclaimer, getting graphic. So this probably isn't the right podcast for under 13 to be listening to. So if you're a parent, if you're listening to this, if sometimes you listen to our podcast, if you have it just playing in your house. The minivan. Well, yeah, whatever it is. um, Yeah, there's a disclaimer for you. All right, so how are we doing? We're doing good. Good. It's a beautiful day outside. We survived the heat. Simone is back. Yes. Good to have you back. Did you have a good family you. time? Yes. Well, my, kid, time? my kids weren't with us. <laughs> Perfect. So the answer is yes. Great, that's a great family wow. time right there. <laughs> yes. No, we had a really amazing trip. Traveled with five couples. Oh, and that's so fun. it was just, it was beautiful. We had a good time. Yeah. Thankful great. that we got to do it. Awesome. So shall we get into questions? Yeah. All I'm right. nervous. I've already admitted. What are you nervous about? <laughs> it's a, this is well, it's important, it. very important. And, you know, I represent one gender here. <laughs> right. I mean, there's three guys and one, okay. one, one Whatever one you say represents all <laughs> women. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See? That's why I'm nervous. Yeah, right. But please speak up. Okay. Speak your mind yeah, today. I'm usually very shy. all right so uh first question thanks for addressing adultery so clearly what about premarital sex i can't find anything in scripture that addresses it directly yeah so uh, the word that you're looking for that would address it directly is fornication and all i can do is remember adam sandler's he had some song where he sang um, I don't listen to that stuff. <laughs> okay. Well, I won't try. I won't try to do a parody of his parody, but it was it was in the lunch lady kind of genre where oh. he sang. I just hate that word, even to be honest. Fornication. Yeah. Makes, makes, yeah. That, that's how he said it. Adam Sandler would say it. So, am I alone? In the, am I the only one? That, I'm not remembering this, it, and I'm, I'm a big fan. Right. Uh, okay. I'm not remembering that one. So the word you're looking for that describes um, the premarital sexual activity is fornication. It's sexual intercourse between a man and a woman that are not married. Um, The Greek word translated fornication in the New Testament most recent. So more recent translations are using a broader um, translation just under the umbrella of sexual immorality. The Greek word is Porneia, from which we get words like pornogra- uh, pornography. In, in the, the Greek word has this breadth of meaning that covers just about any sexual act, sexual activity that's outside of monogamous marriage. And so premarital sex, adultery, incest, homosexuality, even um, uh, lust generally would fit under the umbrella of porneia, this Greek word. For this reason, most contemporary translations of the Bible have opted to replace the word fornication with a broader term, sexual immorality, because the Greek word porneia is a broader term. But if you'll go back to uh, other translations that are earlier, like the New King James Version, uh, which is the version I grew up on in the 1970s, um, the word fornication is used in 
in the Gospel of Matthew, the book of Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. So in Ephesians 5, it says fornication is not fitting among God's people. In Galatians 5, fornication is of the flesh. So, you know, what I would say is that all sexual activity outside of monogamous marriage fits under this, this term, uh, porneia, this Greek term, and is is outside of God's design, is, is um, not his ideal for us. And, um, and so premarital sex fits in that and is, is sinful and because uh, sex is to be saved uh, for the marriage, marriage only. How'd I do there? Does that make sense? Yeah. What'd you think, John? <laughs> Come on, what are you laughing about? <laughs> No, I think it's a it's an interesting um, the idea that uh, I think the idea that it's sinful. I've I have rested more on it's sinful because of God's clear design of what how sex should be handled, mm-hmm. right? So it's not specific. I think we we need to be careful in that the use of pornea always means fornication. I think you did a good job of right. It's a umbrella term, and then and then there's nowhere specifically where it says those who are unmarried or should not have sexual relations with each other or whatever. Like yeah. in my youth ministry days, they always wanted that. The teenagers wanted that. Show us the exact give us verse, the, the spot. Yeah. And so I think it's more helpful to talk about God's design and plan. And how beautiful that is, and why it exists, and all those sorts of things. Then try to look for the, the condemnation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Specifically, to, you know, I think we can say, general, you know, generally these are all the things that fall under mm-hmm. sexual immorality that we should avoid. But here's God's plan and design. Mm-hmm. I think for so many years the the purity culture kind of movement and the, like the worst sin you could ever commit would have been premarital sex for the in the kind of late 70s 80s into the 90s youth group world youth group yeah. world and yeah. the purity culture and there's a lot of writing and stuff that's come out of that that focused so hard on that on this one mm-hmm. slice of sexual immorality and it was like this huge huge deal and i think we missed an opportunity to talk about um God's plan and design, and I'm not saying we should be looser, more permissive, or any of those sorts I'm of things. But, yeah. but the the mm-hmm. emphasis that we put on different things and how we handle it can be, and we think is being helpful, but is actually potentially doing more damage. Yeah. And it's almost like a disservice to put so much. I remember when we got married, we just celebrated 19 19 years, so a long time Congratulations. ago. Congratulations! Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was in May, not that. But anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, there's so much emphasis on don't have sex before you're married. Before you're married, um, this idea that sex outside of marriage is sin, that it was a difficult emotional transition to go from put up boundaries and parameters and be wise and self-disciplined before you're married mm. to okay, well now what? Mm-hmm. And that transition was tricky, mm-hmm. and I think that. Um, we could do a better job with kids and adults in teaching. I think it's kind of what you're saying, John, like almost putting a positive light on, it's not just what you shouldn't do and the reason behind it, because you know, the way God designed intimacy between a husband and a wife is meant to be worshipful mm-hmm. and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And we don't, I didn't hear that growing up. I just heard, don't do it. Right. And then there wasn't a teaching along the lines of, and here's why, and here's, right. this is what you're saving yourself for. It's not just so you can check a box, but because there's something beautiful and worshipful involved in intimacy that you won't experience anywhere else outside of a marriage covenant. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, do you see what I'm saying? I, I think it's great. I think I've always termed it as we need to talk about the delight of God's design mm-hmm. before we talk about the duty to avoid sin. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. Delight over duty. So the blessing uh, rather than start with the burden. And I think things as simple as, I think of, I've done a, some premarital counseling. I think things as simple as, hey, uh, you're working hard to say, uh, to wait uh, for um, the wedding ceremony, uh, to have 
to make to have sex together, uh, which is great. Um, you know, when you get to the other side of that, there's gonna there's gonna take some time to get to know each other. This is gonna be a shift in in your posture towards one another and your expectations. It, just that conversation mm-hmm. would be helpful um, for Definitely. engaged couples. I think the language around, um, you know, the two becoming one flesh is strong too. I mean, it's like God doesn't want you to do that with multiple people. Right. Like the point is you, you leave your mother and your father and you cleave and, uh, and the two become one flesh. Like if you look at uh, Ephesians um, uh, 5, like Paul is talking about marriage like Christ and the church and um, he's talking about the relationship and the, you know, the similarity between a marriage and Christ and the church. And as he's talking about marriage, he, he brings that up, that reference of um, the two becoming one flesh. So I, I mm-hmm. mean, yeah, I get it. Like the, the, the specific line isn't in there, you know, right. But you'd be hard pressed to make an argument for it. Yeah. I don't think right. anybody makes an argument for it. I just think. Yeah. They, we're we're looking for the, bit, exactly. <laughs> there's a little bit of yeah. uh, over, I think what's what's been difficult in the whole, you know, growing up in some of that world, like Simone, you're talking about, is this. Um, and I, Kelly, I think you did a great job talking about the heart. In mm-hmm. in a, like the what Christ is really talking about is our our hearts, and um, he wants our whole heart, purity of heart, those sorts of things. I think some of that was lost mm-hmm. in the conversation about virginity. That there's this passion for virginity and not necessarily uh, a passion for purity of your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've, I, I preached on this. I said, you know, in, uh, when we did the elephant in the room, it was a big a series in 2019. 19, yeah. yeah. Um, and as I was preparing for that, Carrie, my wife said to me, she said, I feel like my youth pastor cared way more about me being a virgin on my wedding night mm-hmm than he did about my love and dedication for Jesus for the rest of my life. Mm. And I think that's true for a lot of young people that kind of grew up in that world, that there's just this hammering of virginity, virginity, virginity. That's the most important thing. And this like protect yourself, you're this, you know, it kind of a protection, like build a fortress around yourself mentality. And and again, not saying to be permissive, but sometimes we lose the message of what God's really after. Like virginity is a by, should be a byproduct. Virginity doesn't produce purity. It doesn't make mm-hmm. you, it should be a byproduct mm-hmm. of a heart that's wanting to flee from sexual immorality and, and own and be a part of God's beautiful design for marriage. And, and so, yeah, I, we could talk on, on and on yeah. and on about it, but I think some of that, um, that, that hammering of virginity uh, did a, not give a, a clear message about what Christ is really looking for in our lives, what he's really hoping for for us, is, and that's a, a purity in our heart mm-hmm. that out of that is a life that's lived pursuing the way that God wants us to live. Yeah. You know, if you have somebody... Uh, younger folks who are just struggling with this concept. I mean, you can also talk to them just about the practicality of it, like how it plays out. I mean, um, oh yeah, even secular science will tell you it's not great to have it's premarital. That's that's where I'm going with it. Psychologically, Mm -hmm. physically, yeah. There's lots of reasons. Yep. Like you will gain a. I mean, this is a a bond that is meant for that God intended for marriage, and so you're going to take the strength and the power of that bond and create it outside of marriage, it's going to cause a, a lot of... And you tear it apart, and it, then you try to bond yes. with somebody else, and then you're going to tear that one apart. Exactly. And you're going to, I mean, that creates And then when you do get married, it's going... You, yeah. You're just going to bring baggage into your right. marriage, and that's, you know, something you're going to have to deal with. And so just all of these things are things to think about, right. you know, instead of just looking for that one verse that where, you know, okay, yes or no. It's like, right. man, there's a lot of other reasons too you can talk about right. that are real practical of why this is not a good idea. And for the folks who are maybe engaged and on that path to marriage and they're like, hey, we're getting married. Like, it's going to happen. Like, I would just say, man, you're not, you're not a clairvoyant. <laughs> like, you don't know the future. You don't know if you're going to get married. Like, dude, just, just wait. It was six months. It's one year. Like, you can do it. Like, I get it. It's difficult, yeah. but some I say uh, I've said 
to my children is that the discipline we cultivate as a single person empowers us uh, for fidelity when we're married. And so we want to work really hard at, yeah, it's great, it's ideal to be a virgin, but it, there's this really this overarching uh, kind of self-control that we want. In other words, it doesn't, there's still temptation once you get married. And I felt like the purity cultures uh, yeah. overplayed the, if you'll just wait till you're married, then everything will be okay. Mm -hmm. And there's a significant amount of temptation that comes after you're married. Yeah. People cultivated a ton of bad habits yeah. leading up to their marriage that they think are going to end because they got married. Right. That's yeah. a lot of pressure on a marital mm -hmm. partner. Jeez. Yeah. And mm -hmm. then, mm -hmm. and then you, t and thinking that those bad habits are going to just suddenly disappear. Right. I mean, if we know anything about habits, good and bad, it, right. it takes some time to, mm -hmm. to create them and to undo them. Yeah. So, yeah. well, along those lines, <laughs> let's go to the next question. <laughs> All right, I appreciate being part of a church that addresses difficult topics. And today's sermon made me wonder what you would say about masturbation. Is it wrong? If you are not willing to talk about this publicly, I'll understand. Yeah, we're not. All right, question, <laughs> question number three. Yeah, so... Uh, this uh, is where Kelly's... Uh, Kelly's chart is going to come out. It's, yeah. it's actually very helpful right in this yeah. moment. Oh so gosh, there is no... The wise, permissible, unwise... Sinful, yeah. So that's where we're headed. But there's no passage that addresses um, the that addresses the subject of masturbation. There is an Old Testament passage which is often referred to by those who want to say... who who. Many have used the, this Genesis chapter 38 passage. Um, I think I've got the right passage. Anyway, it's, it's often referred to as the sin of Onan. Onan refused. Uh, his, his brother died, and he refused to, according to the law, he was uh, to take his brother's wife because they were childless and, and have children, but Onan refused to do it. He spilled his seed on the ground which some have taken as a, you know, as a condemnation. God condemned the, the acts of Onan. And some have taken that as a condemnation of masturbation. But Onan was doing much more than simply uh, gratifying his right. sexual nature through masturbation. He was actually refusing uh, to keep his commitment under the law to his brother. He was acting selfishly in, in a whole different uh, way, whole different, at a whole different level. So I don't think there are any verses, certainly none that I know of, that, that uh, give permission to or condemn masturbation explicitly. So, yeah, the, I use the little, the, my, this chart that I, I say, you know, all decisions, kind of ethical decisions fall into the categories of either it's a wise behavior, a permissible behavior, an unwise behavior, or a sinful behavior. So it's like a hierarchy of, of ethical possibilities is, is what I would say. And for me, and there are four people in the room, there's, there may be four opinions here. So because it's not explicitly stated in Scripture as either right or wrong, uh, there could be a breadth of opinion. And that's what you meet with in the church is a breadth of opinion. Um, I, I would say it's an unwise habit. I wouldn't go so far as to say it's a sinful habit. Um, and I'd also say that it, when I'm talking to someone about it, their age matters to me a lot and their sexual history matters a lot to me. So I'll, I'll give you some examples. So when I say it's unwise, um, um, I'm, I'm picturing a, you know, a perhaps, you know, a mature adult who should have cultivated by now the sexual discipline needed to say no to that type of desire. Um, but if you're telling me, if, if, I'm, if I'm talking with a, a 13-year-old a boy or girl, um, then I, I, I'm, going, I'm, I, I'm going to be a lot more patient. Um, I still don't think it's a, it's a, a wise activity. I don't, I don't think it's permissible. But, but what I'm saying is I'm going to address it differently. And, and if someone has sexual history, if they were victimized... 
this, masturbation falls in a category for me that is often self-soothing in some respects. Uh, people use it, you know, uh, to address anxiety, um, insomnia. <laughs> uh, so there's a self-soothing element in some cases to it. So I'm going to want to know what are you battling? Why, why is it a temptation? I'm going to, I'm going to encourage everybody to develop, uh, self-control. Um, Paul writes in first Corinthians chapter six, I'll not be mastered by anything. Um, and then, um, he also writes same same chapter, First Corinthians chapter six, verse eighteen. He says, "Flee sexual immorality." So our posture towards um, towards sex outside marriage, and and it is a sexual activity uh, that you're doing alone. So it's outside marriage. Um, I would say, you know, that's something we need to move away from. And so I I'm really practical with my kids. So my kids are in their twenties now. Um, but when they were teenagers, I was really practical. I, I would say, hey, I know this is a, a live temptation. You're, you're coming into puberty or you're in puberty. I would say, uh, I would encourage you to develop self-control. The Spirit gives us self-control. I would say, let's go one day. And it's not that I was checking in on them. I was, <laughs> I was giving them instructions on how to cultivate. And then if, if you can go one day, go two days without masturbating. Then go three. Build self-discipline, build self-control. So that's, that's how I would approach it. It's, it's just not helpful to cultivate. You, you want to be disciplined. What do y'all think? I think I agree. I think I would say that in most cases, it's probably you're cultivating sin or, or you're, you're, it would be really hard I can think of all the situations that you're, you're, you're nuancing abuse and soothing and some of those other sorts of things. Or, I mean, there's all sorts of, I won't get into all the detail, uh, unique situations where this could be present in someone's life. Where it's still unwise, but perhaps not sinful. I think in lion's share for most people, they're cultivating lust and fantasy. Right. Oh, sure. And, and that's, yeah. that's sinful behavior. The mind is connected yeah, to the action. Yeah, and yeah. so the, the specific act in itself, without thinking of you know, the mental side or the sinful lust fantasy side, yeah, uh, not sinful, but clearly unwise no matter what. And but uh, I, I'm I sorry, say, I failed to delineate. Yeah, I would say it's unwise because it, it is accompanied by sinful fantasy, behavior. Right. Yeah, lust right. and sin. Right. right. So, you know, to to tell somebody, well, you're not you're not sinning when you do that. I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't parse that out for most most people. Uh, but I would also say, you know, let's be be careful with the weight and burden of our sin as well. Right. Like, let's not let's not allow this to overwhelm you. Let's not allow this to cause so much guilt and shame in your life and cause you to be more secretive and more hiding and let's let's be more open with it let's be more talkative about it mm-hmm. let's be more confessing about it and clear about it and why it's happening and kind of bring it out of the darkness and into the light because what it all this is doing is for a lot of people is moving them out of community out of accountability out of uh, relationships with with others and man I've talked to my kids about some of the real practical dangers of cultivating this in your life I mean we'll get into all the, all I mean there's clear medical links between masturbation which is largely associated with the use of pornography mm-hmm. and erectile dysfunction later in life and I tell my guy my boys you don't want to deal with that mm-hmm. you don't want to deal with that yeah it, it, it has long-term lasting effects physically on you to co- cultivate sexual experiences only by yourself, whether associated with pornography or not, that long-term are not healthy for you. Sure. You, you, you're creating pathways in your brain that are hard to undo, and someday you're going to be married, and you're going to want a great life, sexual intimacy with your wife. And this just, it's like bringing a suitcase of baggage <laughs> yeah. that you just don't want. It doesn't help in your flourishing mm-hmm. as a as a 
and I talk, I mean, we have boys and girls. Our boys are a little bit older, which is why I'm talking, saying boys. But it's the same for the girls in our house as well. I mean, this is not just a, a male problem, which it's typically been framed as, right? Yeah. Um, so that's my take on it. <laughs> I think the, um, the passage you mentioned in 1 Corinthians 6.18 that says flee from sexual immorality, the very next sentence is, all other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. So you said the lion's share of people who maybe struggle with this, it could be an association with unhealthy, undisciplined um, behaviors or habits like pornography, for example. Um, I think that emphasis from that scripture is what puts a a red flag here for me and um, wanting to encourage people or walk with people through this you know, I don't want, is it called a behavior? I don't know. Um, This issue. (laughs) And so um, I think there's some real caution around not just fleeing sexual immorality, but what it does, just immorality in general and what it does to the body. And if this, if masturbation is associated with pornography or lust, or um, it can even cause like a numbing effect to your brain where you're you're only aroused in a certain way. Yeah, that's kind of what yeah. I was talking about. Yeah, and that about. is also, right, right. like you said, yeah. long-term implications right. of what that can do to having a healthy sexual experience with your your spouse one day. Um, I do, so I appreciate that what you're, for me, Kelly, what I heard you saying is um, we need to be able to talk about it and we need to be able to remove the shame that mm-hmm. comes from someone who falls into this, whether it's sinful or not. There's still a lot of shame involved in it. So to remove that and be able to talk about it, have a free, a, a, like a, a freely open discussion is so important, but without removing the dangers that are associated with it. You, am mm-hmm. I making sense? Mm-hmm. Are you following me? Yeah. Well, to, to muddy the waters even more, um, I had somebody ask me once if, what I thought about it um, in relation to this person, like basically he, he was like, well, what if, what if I'm thinking about my wife? Like I travel. I think it's great I'm that you bring that gone. up. I've had a number um, of husbands bring this up. Like for his work, he traveled a lot. I'm gone a lot. You know, we have a, a healthy sex life, but you know, I'm just, just <laughs> I'm gone a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. So is that, is that sinful? Is that wrong? If I'm thinking about her, like, I did I honestly I was like, dude, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> Call Kelly. Uh, I, what, what again, I would still think it's unwise. I mean <clears throat> maybe maybe you need another job. Which I know is radical. Yeah. Uh, but fidelity matters and and I, I know I'll, uh, it is not uncommon for Christian couples to give each other permission to sin sexually. Huh. Well, yeah. Let's be honest. I mean, there are a lot of Christians watching porn together. No, I did not know this. Oh. I should be, I, maybe it's okay that I don't know this. <laughs> Anything you experience in the secular world or think happens in the sexual world. I guess I didn't know that happened in the secular world, world either. Sorry to yeah, be so naive. but Yeah, there are a lot of Christian couples giving permission to one another sin because... Um, well, uh, it goes like this. Um, it, I'm glad he's masturbating, so maybe he won't have an affair. Mm. Or I'm glad he's masturbating, so he, he won't watch porn. Or I'm glad he's masturbating, you know. And so rather than, than um, call one another, the, or I'm glad he's masturbating because I'm tired of having sex with him. Oh, yeah, this happens all the sure. time. I'm fine if he masturbates because I, you know. So when people come, with, come to me with that, I'd say exactly what, yeah. what, what you said. I, I, there's, no, there's no wise behavior going on here. Yeah. And man, if you have the ability to, to if you're only thinking about your, your wife, yeah, fine, you're not, you're not sinning. But why open well, the door. Actually, that is, hang on. It doesn't sound I healthy disagree, on any I level. I may disagree there, John. Well, uh, I think it depends. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, I would go. I think it's entirely possible. Yeah, to, to abuse and objectify your wife okay, in a way that's, yes, that's I uncool. would totally okay. agree with that. You know, why are we looking for? Why are we looking to like 
like ride the razor's edge. Mm-hmm. That's like, exactly what we're looking that, to do. That, how right. close can right. to, how close to fire can I get right. without right. smelling like the mm-hmm. smoke? Right. That and that's where flea flea is flea. the most. Yeah. If it if it opens the door into a world where yeah. you know that inappropriate things are going to happen in your mind and your whatever. Do you know, do you know the why first, go close to the door? Yeah. We're, we're acting like <laughs> ejaculation is a biological need. Folks, it's not. It's not. It's not like eating or drinking or breathing. <laughs> right, right. All right. When you say you're on the road a lot, what are we talking, a week? Mm. Two weeks? <laughs> you can but suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> you can... <laughs> buttercup? <laughs> yeah. You don't have to... There is a level of sacrifice that comes to a having a healthy sexual relationship with your partner, with your husband, in my case. Yeah. Um, so what, I, what I'm hearing, some of like what I feel like you guys are saying is that there is, there is, it's wise to have self discipline in that relationship, and even if that means waiting because you're um, on the road. I want to make so many jokes. I'm trying to be very professional about this right now, (laughs) but I'm just saying, (laughs) I'm just saying there's a level of sacrifice that comes in a healthy sexual relationship with your spouse. And uh, without, I think you know what I mean without me having to like spell that out. But uh, I think that is what's so beautiful about a healthy, intimate relationship is that it's not about you. That's exactly. Yeah. That it's, uh, there's a, a selflessness yes. required to be intimate mm-hmm. with somebody else. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you. That's not required in masturbation. Correct. Mm-hmm. And so when we go all the way back to that first discussion, the first question, you, it's not popular or even spoken of all that often to, to explain to somebody that when you get married and you start having sex with your spouse, just so you know, it's not always about you. It's about how you can give yourself sexually to your spouse. And that's, I mean, I'm uncomfortable just saying this at this moment, but it's the truth. And so there's so many questions that are falling out of this conversation that I think is getting, it's like making it all about you and your yeah. needs and your desires. But that's actually not the way sex was designed. Amen. Yeah. And I, I think too, it's, it's uh, there's a lot of, um, sexual freedom in each marriage. <laughs> oh like, boy! Like you, I, I know I'm. I don't want to to prescribe every marriage has to function the same sexually. Okay. Yes, I don't Correct. think that's I'm, you know. Okay. Mm-hmm. Some are going to be more restrictive. Some are not. Mm-hmm. Clearly, there are certain things that all marriages should avoid: yeah, like, fornication, adultery. You're talking about you're talking about a healthy sandbox. R- yeah, there, oh, there, there, there yeah, are boundaries. Some sandboxes yeah. are bigger okay. than others, but but yeah. correct. We're talking about under correct, the, yeah. and yeah. I think you know. Um, hopefully, married couples throughout their marriage are talking with people about sexuality and. I know that that you know there's conversations that women may have in small group with other women or men have you know and talk about what's going on and without be I'm not talking about being graphic and yeah. like yeah. that's not what I'm yeah. talking about but some married couple's sexual experience is beautiful healthy and great and it looks vastly different than another married couple's that's sexual experience that's a great point so sometimes we I think it can be dangerous dangerous I don't know if that's the right word unhealthy unhelpful and unhelpful to sort of say this is how a Christian sexual right. relationship should look or shouldn't look. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Right. It yeah. does. Like it you does. could talk in terms of frequency and that you, you could yes. have one couple saying, oh my gosh, that's totally unhealthy. And you could have another couple saying, we, we that, love this. Yeah, yeah works this for works us. great mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a great point. Right. right. And there's all sorts of jokes that can <laughs> enter the conversation. You know, I mean, there's, <laughs> Yeah. The big stressors sexually are frequency and variety in marriage. And I think you bring up something that's really helpful. Uh, no two marriages are, are, are alike. Yeah. Each marriage is a foreign country. Right. <laughs> is it sovereign nation? Right. And, and they can decide with the Spirit's leadership mm-hmm. how they're going to serve each other, care for each other. And uh, there, it, a lot of dialogue and listening is required there. Do you have like your go-to resources that you 
um, suggest to people who are? Yeah. Um, oh, my favorite book now is way old. Um, oh, doggone it. Sorry, it's I did like not Ed mean Wheat. to put you that, on the spot. No, <laughs> it's, uh, the byline is, what if marriage is meant to make us holy, oh, not necessarily yeah. happy? What is the mm. name of that book? See if I can find it here in a minute. But yeah, we, we have resources that we encourage uh, married couples to read. Um, mm-hmm. And in sexuality is a you know it's a big struggle culturally. Sacred marriage. Sacred marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, sacred mm-hmm. marriage mm-hmm. by Gary Moyer. Thomas. Thomas. Yeah. Gary Thomas. <laughs> I love if the you book. You can piece yeah. together all the little comments yeah. and find the book. Well done. I think I want to give permission sacred to marriage. especially younger couples who are newly married and they're entering into this world of wait a second we waited all this time and now why this is not as easy as I thought it was going to be. Uh, in our early days, Anthony and I would read some of these books that we would, you know, get recommendations right. from, you right. know, other like people who were further along and we would read them out loud to each other and laugh hmm. so hard at like the awkwardness <laughs> of the conversation. And that's great. And it just built intimacy between us and trust between us that, you know, takes a long time to, to get to that point with mm-hmm. your with your spouse. So I just anyone who's listening that's like, I, I can read a book on this? Yes, do it. Pursue mm-hmm. it. There's lots of good resources available. I yeah, I think Yeah, if you want a book recommendations, don't hesitate to email email we can any put, of us. We can put some in the notes. I, sure. Grant does the uh, majority of our premarital counseling. Grant Armstrong's a pastor here and he's got a bunch of resources that he uses and is some modern stuff that's really helpful on modern. He means, Oh, I was going to list them. I was about to list the books that we read in our premarital counseling yeah, 22 20, yeah, years ago. Yeah, it's probably right. not super helpful. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. at some level they're helpful, but it's a different, it's Your a marriage different is doing good. Yeah. Our marriage is doing mm-hmm. great. Yeah. This just came to me. There is a really helpful website by a woman named Julie Slattery. Have you guys heard of her? No, she's on the board of Moody Bible Institute. She, this is her, Specialty, and she's so good. Um, uh, Authentic intimacy is the name of her ministry, and it's all about equipping Christians um, on how to, you know, broach all these conversations. Anyway, I highly recommend her. Julie cool. Slattery, Authentic Intimacy is her ministry. Great podcast. Her her website is password protected. Maybe that's a filter from your church. Oh, I bet it, it is. Because it talks about sex. <laughs> like the time so. I was trying to, um, uh, uh, this is hilarious. It was like five Get or six years ago. Phone track. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we had we had some horn players for Easter and I'm, tr- I'm trying to figure out how to do these transpositions. Yeah. For, and there was a, a website called dirtysax.com. Oh, that's funny. That, that had this, what I needed and I couldn't go to it. And I was like, I, I, I like it just started, you know, and I was like, John, I, I, I can't, I tried to type in this website and, and look, I'm not like, this is for saxophone. It's a dumb website name. It's dirtysax.com. But oh, that's funny. Sax anyway. by the fire. Sax by the fire. Oh, my gosh. Okay. That's awesome. All right. Uh, let's go to the next one. If, if we are saved apart from anything we do, if he, which is from Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, how can doing something like committing adultery keep us from being saved? Right turn here in the conversation. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah, we're safe. Uh, let me just reiterate. Yes, we are safe apart from anything we do. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says that um, we're saved by God's grace through faith in the righteousness of Jesus, not our own righteousness. But read the very next verse, which is verse 10. So read Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10, which, saved, which says we're saved for works of service. And so I read Galatians on Sunday chapter 5, verse 19, um, and, and Paul is listing, he says, the acts of the flesh are obvious, and then he gives this laundry list, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, envy, drunkenness, orgies, right? This long list. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I, I think maybe in first service, I didn't do a, a great job uh, talking about how the live like, um, those that... Your heart is turned towards this, yeah, not towards Christ. Right. right. So it's one thing to, to get entangled in, let's say, I'm looking at the, the list that Paul gives, envy. 
envying others' lifestyles, and it, it, it's a sin that you get entangled in, or hatred, or discord, or sexual immorality entangles people um, in our day and age many times. It's one thing to get entangled in that sin, and Paul talks about that in, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. It's a whole nother thing to live like that. And Paul's saying those that live like that, who will not, are not inheriting the kingdom of God. We're, we're saved. We aren't saved by our works is what I would say, but we are saved for good works. We're to be doing good works. So if you're entangled in sin, take hope. Um, you can come out of that sin. Christ can rescue you. He can, um, the spirit can give you self-control and you can be restored. But if you're choosing to live like that, then according to Paul, you have very little assurance that heaven is your eternal home. If you have chosen sexual immorality and refuse to give it up or drunkenness or whatever. Is that helpful? Yeah. Very much. Yeah, we've very answered this question in yeah. various different ways in the yeah. past. This falls under the, uh, you often say, uh, if you live like that, you are allowing your assurance to be eroded. Yeah. You right? Have, your assurance of salvation. Yeah. To, I would never look at someone's life and say, you're going to hell. Mm. And I'd not look at someone's life and say, you're going to heaven. Mm -hmm. I would say, you have very little assurance of, I don't see reason for you to be assured that heaven's your eternal home because you're living that way. Um, or I, I would say to somebody, it seems there's a lot of fruit in your life. Uh, good trees bear good fruit, to use Christ's um, phraseology. So um, I don't know the eternal destiny. Only God knows the eternal destiny. But we, we can be assured or we can erode our assurance. We can undermine our assurance by our lifestyle. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, let's go to the last one. This one's heavy. Uh, I've committed adultery. What would you propose for healing my marriage? I'm a Christian, but no one knows about what I've done. Yeah, the first thing I would say is uh, you're not alone. You're among sinners. This, the, the, the church is full of sinners. Um, and being in the church is the best place to be. It's the place to be restored. It's the place to meet with grace and forgiveness. It's the place to as, to be disentangled from your sin. I love what Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. He says, if, if someone's caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Mm. The church is a place of gentle restoration, and it's a passion point of Glenelg Bible Church to be about that. And so I'm glad you, you submitted the question. Um, I would encourage you to confess your sin to someone you trust. Uh, the person says here, no one knows what I've done. Um, you want to bring that sinful action into the light. Bring it into the light. Ask the person that you, you're confessing to uh, if they will help walk you, if they'll be with you along the journey, you know, uh, say to them, you know, I've committed adultery. I recognize it as sin. It's not something I want to be about. Would you, would you walk with me out in this journey? So you're looking for a good friend, someone to confess to. And when you, yeah, ask that person to not only hear your confession, but to support you in the journey of healing. And then, um, uh, and then scripture's really clear. If you're going to confess your sin, confession's necessary, but then you want to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And, and repentance is the biblical term for turning away from your sin. So um, you want to quit the relationship, the adulterous relationship. That's, a, that's, that's fruit in keeping with repentance is to, to actually turn away from the adulterous relationship. But you're also going to want to quit the activities that led you mm -hmm. to adultery. Adultery is not something that mm -hmm. uh, we do for no good reason, right? There are lots of little decisions we make along the way that lead us to that, to that larger decision, uh, including the friendships. Often there are friendships in our lives that have encouraged adultery uh, or other habits that preceded it and came along with it, maybe pornography or um, whatever it might be. So... So you're going to want to you want to confess. Find a person you can confess to. That you know, ideally, that'd be a person that can pray with you, walk you along the journey of healing. Then you're going to want to produce you and take action to to 
disentangle from this sin. So you're going to quit the relationship, quit the activities that led to the relationship. For some people, that means changing jobs. Oh, yeah. Mm. For a lot of people, mm. that's the hard situation is... Yeah. It's an adultery at work. Right. Yeah. Right. And then I would say the next step is you want to build a team. We, we don't... We shouldn't walk alone, right? Uh, following Jesus is a team sport, and so you, wanna, you want to identify a counselor, a pastor, small group, friends, people that can walk with you on this journey and cheer you on. They're going to play different roles. <laughs> you know, Some people you call at midnight. <laughs> hey, I'm in a bad spot. Some people you schedule appointments with and you talk with them weekly. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have different... Uh, players on your team that that help restore you. A uh, part of the work of restoration is always mapping your entanglement. How did I get there? Mm. How and you know what led me down this road? And then finally, um, the person said, "I'm married. Um, uh, you're going to want to confess your sin to your spouse. Uh, that may not be the the first person you confess to, but you're going to want." You want to heal your, mar- heal your marriage, and you're going to need support in that. So that's why I would build a team um, so that they can support you in the journey. Anything I left out of there, guys? I thought that's good. I actually wanted to ask you on the last one because I think there's, you know, this person's asking from the perspective of I'm caught in this, but your last point, you know, confess your sin to your spouse, support them as they begin to heal. So how... What would you suggest for those who are about to, or <laughs> I'm portraying it as this is a real scenario that's just about to happen in somebody's life, and I hope that's not true, but for the spouse who's about to hear something, you know, from yeah. their husband or wife, yeah, what, I, what do you recommend? I used to do a men's ministry here at church. I used to teach men's frat, and, and confession needs to be a regular part of, of, uh, of our lives because we have sin that that we're in all the time. And so I, I had this little stick. I, uh, I would say confess for success. <laughs> so, it, you know, you want to say to your, your spouse, Hey, I have something I want to share with you. Could we sit down tomorrow night? So you schedule it. Um, and, and that's not easy to hear. I mean, the, the other person gets 24 hours of freak out. Right. <laughs> right. And so, um, and then, you could actually, if it's going to be something as weighty as, you know, I've had an affair, uh, maybe you have your spouse's best friend uh, nearby and, and they're ready and available. We've heard confessions uh, on the elder board and uh, whenever we've heard those confessions, usually somebody comes with them and leaves with them. Uh, because, you mean people confessing to the elders, yeah, looking yeah, for yeah. prayer. And, yeah, and they yeah. need support uh, after the confession. I mean, it's, um, and so I, I would say uh, it would be great if, if there was a best friend at the ready, a phone call, and, and someone they could speak with, or a pastor ready at the mm-hmm. phone. Um, Do you recommend, like, for that person that just heard that, they move out, they have a time, uh, set, you know, like, it, or does it depend on the so situation? Yeah. It's so unique. Yeah. It, There's not one prescription yeah, that fits it. You know, and, if the adultery is now 10 years old and I just never brought it up yeah. and I need to bring it up, you know, that's a different scenario than. Yeah. I got yeah. you. I, what I hear you saying is don't go about this flippantly. No. Be prepared, have a plan. No, you know, confession is often very emotional for the confessor and, and the, the receiver, right? right? Yeah. So I've seen people, and they, they didn't realize it, but they were angry in their confession, and they used their confession like a hammer. Mm. Yeah. Like, it's your fault I committed adultery. You made adultery. me do this. You made me do this. Yeah. And now you need to hear my confession yeah. and bear it. So it, there's... It sounds really yeah. painful. Yeah, yeah. But I just, I, I feel like you have 30 years almost of yeah. work in church ministry. And I, I mean, having been here for six, seven years now, this is a regular experience at the church. Yeah. People coming who are caught in adultery. Or whatever the sin is. Yeah. But Gambling. I mean, we're talking yeah. specifically yeah. about adultery Sorry. here, yeah. but, and, and you've w- walked people through the, 
the painfulness of the situation and helped a lot of couples. And I know you've got a lot of wisdom in it. And so I feel like if there's people listening, I would encourage them to, that are in this situation or have, you know, are still struggling in this kind of situation, whether they're hearing it or involved in it to don't run away from the church, you know, run to the church. Yeah, I mean, and there are some great stories of repair. Amazing stories yeah, of repair in our church. Beautiful stories of repair where spouses have cleared this hurdle and uh, they're doing better than they've ever done. And, and there's couples eager to yeah. help other couples who are struggling yep. with this sort of thing and help walk them yeah, to be on the out team. of the woods and be a part of the team and yep. mentor them and coach them. So, and John, you, you started to bring this up, I think. Um, but like, let's talk just for a second about getting on the front end of it. Um, and I can I can tell you about um, a time where um, a friend came to me and a few other men, and this guy he traveled a lot, you know, different guy uh, than what we talked about earlier. But um, he was just like, man, I, I need you to check in with me every night. I'm yeah. gone. Yeah. Like you, I want you to call me. Don't, don't listen to any of my, you know, BS. Don't listen yeah, to any of my right. excuses. Like just check in with me, make sure I'm going to bed. My computer is closed. Mm. Blah, X, Y, Z, right? Yeah. And I got to say for, for anybody, any um, folks out there who might be in that position, but, but are nervous about asking, maybe guys in your small group or friends or at your church or whatever, um, I, was, I felt greatly privileged like, I was not like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this dude is, you know, I was just like, wow, I, yes, absolutely, I will do that. I felt so privileged to, that he asked. Yeah. I help. felt, yeah. Um, yeah, I just was like, yeah, I would love to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and so I, I hope that's an encouragement for, for people who might be struggling and, and maybe right at that edge um, and, and maybe might be reluctant to reach mm-hmm. out to people to ask for help out of fear of judgment. I. I think if you ask um, mature Christians, uh, they will not judge you for that, but they mm-hmm. will come up and walk alongside you and consider it a privilege to do that work with you. Mm-hmm. That's a great word. Yeah, let's just end on the notion there's lots of freedom and joy available in Christ. Mm-hmm. There's lots of freedom and joy. You don't have to live hiding your sin, afraid of being found out. Um, and great, yeah, I think of great, you know, the, where you're going to find comfort <laughs> is in God's grace through Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Right? Like, yeah. you know, there's all this causes just strain and pain and you want comfort. Yeah. There's freedom and joy through God's grace in Christ. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all the questions we have for you today. But if you have any further questions, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate. Text Next Level Podcast 630-474-6164. Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon and also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith. We, we love God and believe that scripture is a primary means for our getting to know him. And our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together. Thank you for joining us and thank you listeners for tuning in to the next level. Boom. Prophecy.